Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp, using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high-quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. In this half hour, we're going to talk about local politics, continuing our coverage of the Vermont gubernatorial race. This fall, Rebecca Holcomb became the first declared candidate for Vermont governor in the 2020 race. Holcomb is a former teacher, principal, and the Vermont Secretary of Education under two governors. Since her announcement that she's running, other candidates have joined in. Lieutenant Governor David Zuckerman has entered the race, and still others are rumored to be considering runs, including Attorney General T.J. Donovan. Rebecca Holcomb, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, in the uh, in the political world, you're competing against uh, the third impeachment in American history, a uh, Democratic primary involving all the leading lights <clears throat> of Democratic politics. And here you are running for governor. And so it's not surprising that it's uh, it's hard to get the same kind of attention. What have you been focused on these last few months? Well, I, I, none of us pick our time, but I think there is no time like now to start making a difference on the issues that Vermonters care about the most. And uh, what I've been able to do and really have the, the privilege of doing is traveling all over the state. I'm visiting uh, voters in every part of the state. I've been meeting with local Democratic committees, going to house parties and talking to voters and hearing what they're really concerned about and what they care about as we head into the 2020 cycle. And that's been uh, an extraordinary opportunity, and it's really made me even more purposeful and committed to this run. You know, I think one of the things that people may not appreciate about somebody like yourself who's running for governor is the amount that you're moving around and hearing people's thoughts around the states. It may be sort of the most memorable and meaningful part of running for a statewide office. Mm -hmm. Nobody does what you do, what others do who run for any of the statewide offices. What are you hearing? Well, um, I'm I was going to just follow up on that. I'm a little embarrassed to admit I'm closing in on 200,000 miles on my car. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I feel like I've had a chance to see a lot of Vermont. And what I'm hearing is probably not going to surprise you. Um, you. You know, one of the 
amazing things about Vermont is that there are people who care deeply about the state. We live here by choice. We believe in the state. We believe in our people. But everywhere I go, people tell me that they are really struggling to make ends meet right now. Um, the cost of health care, as you know, has been going up by double digits two years in a row. People are telling me that the uh, the price of housing is unaffordable in many communities. And so the governor talks a lot about affordability. What he means is cutting taxes. But when I talk to Vermonters, affordability means being able to have affordable child care so you can actually go to work. Uh, it means being able to take a better job or work more hours because you're not worried about losing your access to Medicaid or the Vermont the subsidies in the Vermont Health Exchange. It means if you're an employer, knowing that when you offer someone a job, they'll be able to say yes because there actually is a, an apartment that their employee can afford in a walkable downtown. And uh, it's real. And as a state, we have not paid attention to the basic investments in infrastructure and to making sure that we're using our tax dollars wisely in ways that give people the social safety nets and support and the strong community institutions and education that we we need to count on so that we can get busy, you know, growing our businesses and and making our communities great places to live. Yeah, we're we're talking with Rebecca Holcomb on the Vermont Conversation this week. If you want to join this conversation, feel free to call us at 802-244-1777. It's often been remarked that there are two Vermonts, at least. You know, there's the Burlington to Montpelier corridor, which has many opportunities, you know, economic opportunities. And there are these other parts of the states, Franklin County, Northeast Kingdom, Bennington, um, which are not having anywhere near the kind of economic opportunities. What do you see in these areas outside of the, the, you know, the Montpelier-Burlington corridor? I I th- I think you're right and you know I think there are many ways we could parse Vermont. I think there's also uh there are many Vermonters who are doing quite well right now including some who benefited tremendously from the, the Trump tax cuts. There are also a significant number of Vermonters who are really struggling. And you talked about the divide geographically and I think that's real and when you go down to you know, the southern border, there's no challenge down there that they're facing that couldn't be tackled with better economic development. And I remember after the governor visited Bennington when the Ever Ready factory was pulling out, uh, you know, talking about what a terrible place Vermont is to do business. And and what I hear people say is, and you've been governor for three years, what are you doing about it? I had someone from Bennington say that the thing that frustrates them about our governor is that we have significant needs for economic development, but he's like the restaurant owner who stands outside the restaurant complaining about the food inside and then wonders why nobody comes in to eat. And what we need is a restaurant owner or a governor of the state who actually believes in Vermont and believes in our potential and is willing to roll up their sleeves and invest in Vermont businesses and Vermont communities in ways that make this a great place to live and do business. And that's what I'm hearing. And they feel that we aren't doing that currently. You wrote recently that uh, following Governor Scott's State of the State address that uh, the governor kicked the can down the road again. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, in particular, we we know um, there, there, there are many things I mean. And, the, and I think the particular article that you're referring to, I was talking about the issue of climate and climate change. And 
I don't go to a community in the state where people don't talk to me about the impact of what they see as our changing climate. If you're a farmer, it could be flooding that takes out your field or makes it difficult to harvest your hay. If you're talking about infrastructure, it's the fact that these more frequent storms are tearing out our our roads and and people are worried about the, the growing cost of that as they become more frequent. If you're concerned about whether you can go swim in Lake Champlain in the summer um, because of the increasing levels of bacteria there, uh, it's people who know that these more frequent storms are just carving out the sides of our, our waterways and bringing that those toxins into the lake more frequently. So people know that climate change is here. And they, they don't believe that Vermont alone in solving our emissions problem is going to solve the global problem of climate change. But what they do know is if we don't take action now, the clean, green Vermont that we love and is why so many of us live here won't be around for our children. And they're very worried about that. And they also know it's driving up our cost. Um, if you look at Standard & Poor's and Moody's, we know that they are now looking at whether states have strong mitigation plans for climate change. And if we don't, and our governor doesn't appear to have a plan for the um, the climate-altered future we're heading into, we're going to risk a, a, another bond downgrade, which will raise the cost of government every year moving forward, and he'll become governor downgrade. But I think the the other issue that's, that's here is that we... You know, Governor the Governor Scott uses a lot of car metaphors, and he talks a lot about the detailing. The real problem is that we don't have an engine, and we need a new engine in our state economic car. And the best opportunity we have right now is to figure out how to make sure all of our Vermont counties can be part of the the green energy transformation that we all know we need to make. And that involves... Um, taking, uh, investing in green renewable technologies and making sure that, 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 uh, you know, as we develop new green solutions for managing our grids, that those are solutions that then Vermonters can be in a position to model and sell to other parts of the country. And we can support this by, instead of buying, you know, millions of dollars, billions of dollars of fossil fuels from other states every year. Think about how instead, if we invested that in energy produced in Vermont or in green energy solutions in Vermont, we're actually paying Vermont workers who work here in Vermont, pay income tax in Vermont. And the value of keeping that money in the Vermont economy is going to create more opportunity in those rural communities in particular. What would a Governor Holcomb do in your first month in office? What would be the key priority areas you would want to uh, dive right in on? Well, I think there, there I, I'd say there's three. And the, the first one absolutely has to be hiring competent administrators who really know their field, because if we are going to survive and make government work for people, we need to have government staffed by people who know what they're doing, know the laws that they're going to have to work with, and are able to answer competently any questions that might come up in their specific domain. You you can't get where we need to go if we don't have smart, well-educated people who really understand Vermont and understand how systems work in Vermont. The second is we need to... um, we need to very carefully audit where we're going to be um, with respect to what's happening at the federal government. And it's hard to go across a sector and not look at the damage that's coming our way from from Washington right now. We've rolled back protections on wetlands. We've rolled back um, restrictions on what kind of pollution we can put into our waterways. We're about to throw possibly 26,000 Vermont families off of nutrition support. 
more than any other time in my lifetime, the next four years are going to define who we are as a people and whether we actually believe we share a state and whether we actually have a stake in the well-being of our neighbors. And so really being very intentional and thoughtful, both about uh, what are the challenges we face and then how we work to prepare to, to protect what we care about in our Vermont communities would be the second. And the third is transparency, frankly, and making sure that um, that we are behaving in ways that rebuild the trust of the public in our government institutions. And I think we can't lead without the consent of the governed. And people need to know that when we make decisions, we're working for them and we're not working for our own interests. And that would have to be something I would lean into hard. Hmm. Uh, the governor has said that the biggest crisis facing Vermont is demographics, mm-hmm. people either leaving or not coming or and the worker shortage that ensues. Do you agree or – and what's your approach to this issue? Well, I think um – I think that we have a challenge in that we are trying to find ways to fill the jobs that we have in the state. My concern with the way he's chosen to frame it is it implies that our senior citizens are a problem, and they are not a problem. They are our neighbors. They add tremendous value to the state, and I am not going to call my neighbors a problem. I'm sorry. And many of them worked very, very hard to be where they are in life, and we owe a a tremendous amount to them, and it's our job to make sure that they can continue to be members of our communities and participate. So, you know, we do have challenges, but again... Many of the demographic challenges we have go back to this issue of are we spending our resources in ways that make our places, our communities places that people want to live and raise their families. And when I talk to young people, and I've made a point of meeting with young people, particularly young people who are having children and trying to decide where to live in Vermont, what they talk about is they want to have good schools. They want to know that there's a good school for every child, not just for some children. They want to know that if if they're working, and many of them have to have two incomes in the family to be able to afford their home, they want to know that there's a child care place where they can actually afford to, to have their kids and trust that their kids are safe and cared for while they go to work. They want to know that they can actually have health care that's health care because they can afford it and not sick care. I talked to somebody in Bennington the other day whose policy costs $900 a, a month, and her deductible is $7,000. So she's skipping medication because she she can't afford it. This is not a way to treat our families if we want families to actually be here. And what can, and we what could can go be on. done about that on the state level? The health care problem. Well, I think there there are many issues and many issues. I mean, you know, I think you know today the House is considering one of them, which is paid family leave, which is how actually people can afford to stay home because people can't afford to t- stay home to take care of themselves or their family members if they're. Um, if they're going to lose salary or lose wages, will they do so? So I think that's a good example right today, where if the governor hadn't vetoed that two years in a row, people wouldn't be going to school to work sick, and that would have an impact as well. And there are a number of issues. We need somebody who's going to take on and just keep hitting hard on the issue of the cost of pharmaceuticals. We currently have a system where basically pharmaceutical companies and the the prescription um, purchasing entities are incentivized to raise prices because they get more if they do. We need to be hitting that hard and figuring out ways to do it. The hospital system 
is also going through a process of deciding what services need to be in every community. So if someone gets hurt or if somebody's trying to have a baby in the middle of the night in February, they know they can get to a place that can take care of them. At the same time, we have to be asking the same kinds of questions in the hospital sector that we've been asking in our public school system. How much infrastructure can we support and can every building provide every service or are there services that we need to figure out how to share? So there are issues around um, the capacity of the system and how much infrastructure we can support as well. And there are others I could keep going. but You're running mm-hmm. at a time of mm-hmm. historic national mm-hmm. division and mm-hmm. that was <clears throat> very much on display last night in President Trump's State of the Union in the impeachment final votes that will be taken today. Do you see a trickle down in Vermont and in Vermont politics as you run for governor? Um, I, I think it's naive to pretend that Vermont is not part of the nation. And I guess one of the most toxic dynamics I see happening right now in Vermont is actually the dynamic between the governor and the legislature. You know, we have a citizen's legislature. They work hard. No one agrees all the time, but what they do try to do is come in in good faith and work with the information they have and uh, and try to come up with good solutions for Vermonters. We have a governor currently who's had a very hands-off approach where he hangs back, lets the legislature put things out, and then decides after the fact if he's going to support or not support. Here's the problem. We have real issues and challenges as a state. Our climate challenges are genuine and real. We are losing opportunities to create economic um, vitality in communities. And until we do, we're going to be struggling with the cost of social services. We can't afford to have a hands-off governor. We need somebody who's going to get behind the wheel, get off the track, and get on the road and drive. Because we need solutions that our people can stand behind that actually make life better for Vermonters. So before you can face Governor Scott, you have to win a primary against Lieutenant Governor David Zuckerman. Um, How do you, what distinguishes you and David Zuckerman in your approach, your policies, politics? I think the biggest difference is if you'd asked me two years ago, I would have laughed at you if you'd said I'd run for office. You know, I, I am somebody who has spent my career working with school boards, trying to build consensus, because at the end of the day, we have to stand behind a budget that everyone can get behind. Nobody gets everything they want, but people get what they need. And that's been my job, is to try to figure out how to take the diversity of the state and put it together in budgets that reflect our shared common values and make our lives better and make our community stronger. And um, that's what a governor has to do. A governor has to manage. And at the end of the day, they have to make sure that they're running the agencies in ways that are responsive to the needs of people and get the best value they can out of taxpayers for taxpayers, not for special interests. And that's what my entire background has been about. I'm someone who gets stuff done. Um, and that's different from my candidate. He's been in the legislature for a quarter of a century. He's been a strong advocate. That's a great thing. I'm appreciative of the work he's done on many issues, but it's a very different skill set. And right now, we have a state where many of our institutions are not functioning as well as they should. It's hard work, and I'm ready to do that job. You would be, you are running, and if you win, you will be only the second woman governor of the state of Vermont, Mm -hmm. Um, Madeline Cunin being the first and only. How significant is that to you? Um, I have tremendous respect for Malin Kunin. I've 
been following her and studied a lot of what she's done. I think she's an incredibly smart and inspiring human, and I'm grateful to live in a state where she is a is a leader and a, and a, a role model. Um, I'm running for governor because I think I have extraordinary experience and a unique perspective and um, the the courage and the grit to get things done for the state and make it a, a great place for our Vermont families to live. Hmm. Um, for people who care about gender balance in our mm-hmm. politics, in our world, in their lives, um, do you think that should be a factor in who they choose to lead the state? I think if we hired people based on merit, we would have a more diverse population and representation. I think there are very talented men in the state. I think there are very talented women in the state. And if we open our conception of what leadership looks like, I think we'd see a very, a much more diverse um, perspective. And I think, you know, and I think the same thing goes for other kinds of representation. I The nature of community is about hearing and learning from your neighbors and figuring out what it looks like to work together and how to make policies respond to the needs of the people. And government can't be responsive if it doesn't look like the people it serves. So government needs to look like the state. You're listening to the Vermont Conversation. We're talking with gubernatorial candidate Rebecca Holcomb. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 244-1777. And Dave is calling from Plainfield. Dave, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Yeah, good morning. I've been going around, you know, uh, first of all, my family was from Eastern Europe, and my parents had to put a dictionary at the table. We don't believe in this. I went to public school, but I I learned how to play piano at home. I learned how to read at home. I taught my I did a Bible when I was four. I taught my son uh, how to read out of Transformer comics. He was in Twinfield. He was the only kid in second grade that knew how to read. And I don't. I believe all of education, first of all, state this is self reliance, and you learn because you're hungry, like my parents. Anyway, I go to these school board meetings, and um, I I know. Noticed them years ago, and I asked this question. I go, "This is scary." What I'm going to tell you, I go around asking school, current school teachers and other people this very simple question: Name the three teachers unions. I we were sitting at a school board meeting. There's lawyers, there's principals, there's all the school board, and I I noticed they kept saying it's singular. So I said, Does anybody know? The, nobody, nobody in the room can can name the three teachers unions, and much less. Um, name the people that really affect our policies are, are the presidents of the teachers unions and I go around making fun we got women in town that went to Goddard College where you get a, a degree um, with no math never never attempt to uh, figure out the circumference of a circle never punctuate a sentence never read Sir Francis Bacon they give them degrees and they go down and they teach in Montpelier and I ask them uh, who's certain names they don't know the heads the names I can't get anybody, so I'm wondering if this lady can tell me the names of the three teachers' unions and the names of the people running them, because these people really affect our lives. Okay, Rebecca Holcomb. Um, well, the the union that represents most teachers in the state of Vermont is the Vermont NEA. They are in the phone book, and you can reach out to them, and the executive director is Jeff Fannin. Um in terms of who actually runs school districts, it tends to be uh, – it is – uh, representative school board members who are elected by the voters in each specific school district. And I would really um, strongly encourage you to also talk to your your local school board members because they can speak to you about how they work with the union when they negotiate with them locally. 
but the voters in local school districts elect school board members who represent the voters and put together the budget and make uh, administrative decisions and set policy for school districts. And they're actually the ones in Vermont who do most of the work of shaping how school districts operate. Okay. Um, Thanks for that. You've talked a lot about... uh, Well, let me ask about the worker shortage. We have a program now where we are paying people to move to Vermont. What do you make of that? Well, again, I I think Vermont's a great place, and I think people will move here because Vermont is a great place. In fact, I've spoken to a couple people who were thrilled to get help with their relocation, but they were moving here anyway. And I would rather see us invest in Vermonters. I got to tell you, you know, I spent a lot of time this summer listening at the uh, Green Mountain Care Board to some of the presentations by school districts. And we have an acute shortage of nurses, for example, in the state. Um, We also have children who are now graduating from our career and technical education centers with almost two years of college credit and an LNA, a licensed nursing associate degree that they can use to go to work in the hospital. Why not, instead of paying people to move here who, let's be blunt, $10,000 isn't going to be a tipping decision, a decision maker for people because they've got the rest of their lives here. But why not pay those dollars to somebody who wants to go to college, become a registered nurse, and work in a Vermont hospital? Because that's someone who will be so grateful to have that opportunity, and it will help them both earn a higher salary every year moving forward. It will give them a skill that they can use in their community to make their community strong. And frankly, it will bring down the cost of health care, because one of the biggest drivers, again, in the cost of health care is the lack of a, a suitable workforce. Um, so, you know, again, let's invest in Vermont, invest in Vermonters, because that's how we make this a great state to live and raise children. As you launch into the next stage of your race for governor, and the primary uh, will be in August, I forget the exact date, but uh, that's the typical gubernatorial primary date time. The 11th. Okay, August 11th. Um, what do you want people to know about Rebecca Holcomb? Um, I will... F- I will have your back. I mean, I believe in the state. I'm so grateful for all the opportunities the state has given to me, and I will bend over backward to make this a state where people can live, raise their families, know they will be treated fairly. I will invest in Vermonters because when we take care of our people and make sure everybody has a fair chance, not just the wealthiest Vermonters, I know that we can make this the state that everybody looks to as an example of how we have a sustainable and and healthy future. Okay, well, Rebecca Holcomb, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. Um, Rebecca Holcomb is a candidate for governor in 2020 for the state of Vermont.